This episode is brought to you by Daniela Falecki's Teacher Wellbeing Cards. These 52 cards give you simple daily reminders to help better support your well-being. You can use them in staff meetings to build positive conversations or have them in your desk as little pieces of advice to help you get through the day. Find these cards and Daniela's other resources at teacher-wellbeing.com.au. This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, a weekly show to help you prioritize your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, teachers. How are you today? And what do you think of the word balance? Do you believe in work-life balance or do you think it's a myth? That's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get there, I just want to give you a couple of reminders. First up, we are running a webinar this week. And if you are listening to the podcast, uh, when it goes to air, you will still have time to sign up for the webinar, which is on the 5th of April at 6 p.m. You can go to selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash webinar to do that. It is a free online training. And what it's about is burnout. Basically, it's called Preventing Burnout, The Missing Link. And I'm going to talk about uh, all aspects of burnout. But in particular, I'm going to talk about some of the features of burnout that I think are often overlooked. We talk a lot about physical exhaustion. But that's only one part of burnout. And I think, and it might be a big claim to make, but I don't think it's the most important one that teachers should be looking out for. So that is happening tomorrow if you are listening to this when this episode goes to air. And I hope to see you there. If you've missed it, there will be a replay and you'll be able to find out details for that in the show notes at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. I also wanted to give a quick reminder about my life and well-being coaching and also accountability coaching. Uh, if you don't know what coaching is, it's it's not therapy and it's not counseling. It is a lot more goal-based. I like to call it personal training for the brain, actually. Uh, and so you can think about it if you wanted to go see a personal trainer for your physical fitness. It's probably not because you don't know how to do a sit-up. Uh, although you might need some guidance on what kind of exercise you want to do. It's probably also because you really want some accountability. You want somebody to help you maybe go harder or faster or more uh, more power than you would do on your own in the gym. It's similar to that. Life and well-being coaching is where you and I will have a series of conversations and they're kind of conversations not like you would have at the coffee shop with your friends. I might challenge you. I will ask you a, a range of interesting questions that will really get you to think in ways that you might not be used to thinking. And together we'll set some goals for what you want for your health and well-being so that, uh, and a plan to, to, to reach those goals. So if you're interested in that, you can sign up for a free discovery call with me. Um, if you go to selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash coaching, we can have just a just a chat, no obligation chat, and talk about what you're maybe looking for and whether or not I can help you with that. 
So that's the life and well-being coaching that I wanted to remind you about. I also want to remind you about Patreon. If you're enjoying this podcast, and I'm really grateful that a number of you have reached out recently to tell me that you are, so thank you so much, those of you that have been giving me that feedback. If you are enjoying the podcast and you'd like to support it, I'd love it if you could become a supporter over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash self-care for teachers. So it's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash self-care for teachers. You can donate as little as the price of a cup of coffee per month. And it really shows that you support the podcast and helps me keep it going. All right, on to today's topic about work-life balance. So in the in the group coaching program that I'm in uh, as uh, for my book, so I obviously I am a coach myself, but I also have a coach for my uh, for writing of my book because I believe in coaching so much. Um, and I've been working on the title, and, and the topic of balance has come up because obviously I'm talking about preventing burnout, and I'm talking about self care, and it's been really interesting because in this book coaching group that I'm in, um, and as part of some of the work that I've done from the exercises that we've been set, it seems that balance and well-being and self-care are all words that uh, many people feel have kind of lost their meaning and become a bit cliche. Um, and in fact, some people I've learned don't just find them to be buzzwords, but they actually find them to be dirty words. Is that how you feel? Do you feel like balance is a dirty word? Uh, I get it because, you know, certainly it's been overused and, um, and of course, not everything resonates with everybody, but in particular, I wanted to talk about today the concept of work-life balance because I have actually been on this whole new learning journey about balance this year uh, while I have been doing some work for my husband, Stuart, who is an exercise physiologist. Uh, and I know that might seem irrelevant, but trust me, there's a link here. Um, so on the topic of work-life balance, I think so often we are sold this idea of it being a static thing. Like once we achieve this mythical state of balance, everything will be great. But if you actually think about real balance, like physical balance, that's not really how it works. It's not a static thing. So I have been in the classroom again this year, but this time as teacher's assistant to Stuart, who is running these falls prevention classes for older adults. Um, by the way, if you're in Toowoomba uh, in Queensland and you think that you or somebody you know is an older adult and is at risk of a fall or wants to prevent having a fall, contact Toowoomba Exercise Physiology today. Anyway, so it's been really informative for me, even though I'm not the student in the class, you know, I'm I'm just a helper in the class, but I've been really learning through these falls prevention classes as well. And I think I've mentioned on the podcast before how I'm not really the most athletic or coordinated person in the world. Um, sport, exercise does not come naturally to me. Uh, I have to work quite hard at it and through uh, a lot of coaching, actually. Um, shout out to Steve from the Fitness Mindset there. Um, I have actually come to really enjoy exercise, but it's been a 10-year journey, honestly. And then being in these classes with my husband and, and watching him um, work with his clients, it's been really informative for me because balance is one of the core things that these falls prevention classes target. Loss of physical balance is a really common risk factor 
um, for having a fall. And, you know, loss of balance can be caused by, you know, vision or hearing problems, medication side effects, and just simply from aging. So when helping clients with these exercises that are specifically designed to help with balance, Stuart um, has been explaining that actually wobbles are good. And this really surprised me because um, similar to the idea of work-life balance, where I think a lot of people think that it's this static thing, I kind of had in my mind that actual physical balance was also a static thing. And if you're wobbling, well, you're, you're not balanced. But that's actually not true. And and when he explained it, it, it makes sense. So in our body, balance isn't a static thing, just as it's not in work-life balance. And it's actually good if you wobble a little bit, because that's you know, in these classes, in these falls prevention classes, that's what he wants to achieve in a supervised way because what a little bit of wobbling does is it actually maintains the ability of the body and the muscles and the nervous system in the body to recover from a slight loss of balance. So most of us would have had that experience of, you know, maybe you catch your foot on something and you start to lose your balance, but you prevent a fall or a trip by putting your other foot down more quickly or you maybe sort of throw your body around a bit so you move your center of gravity back the other way and that stops you from from overbalancing or falling over. Um, And lots of that is completely automatic and really easy to do. You know, it's easy for the body to do automatically when you're young and fit. But uh, it is actually a use it or lose it kind of thing. So as we age, if we don't maintain the body's ability to do that, having a fall becomes more likely. So that concept, that, you know, that idea of the physical balance being also not a perfect state where there are only flat surfaces and there's no challenge to your stability ever, that actually applies really well, I think, to this work-life balance concept as well. Because the, the physical balance only happens when we have a little bit of a wobble and we can recover from it. It's dynamic, it's ever-changing, and, you know, it's our body responding to the environment that we're in. Work-life balance is kind of the same thing. It's not a destination. It's not this static thing. It's, you know, at the risk of sounding cliche, it's a journey. Um, Work-life balance is a journey and it's something that requires us to constantly readjust and recalibrate as, as life changes, as our environment changes, and as we change. You know, there are also cycles in our environment, like the seasons um, and you know, school terms, I think, are also that way where there's there's periods of time where we might have to lean in a lot further into working maybe longer hours or a little bit harder. And then there are periods of time where we can lean out a little bit so we can have this kind of ebb and flow with the, you know, the peak of school time and the school holidays. But all the way through that, we need to be maintaining our balance and our flexibility and our muscle strength. Now, just to kind of belabor the falls prevention uh, point a little bit further, or the you know the the link there a little bit further. There are other falls risk factors. The older we get, and if we have medical conditions and and other problems like, for example, vision and hearing problems and and side effects of medication, that we have to take into account. Some of those things can't be counteracted by doing stri- you know strengthening activities or balance or flexibility exercises. Some of those things have to be worked around because, for example, if you've had a stroke or perhaps if you've got osteoporosis, um, you know, there are other risk factors that you have to keep in mind. And I think that that's also the same with work-life balance for teachers. Not every teacher, I've said this before, not everybody has the same needs. Self-care is actually a differentiated 
activity because your needs are going to be different to the needs of the person next to you. Um, People who have specific medical conditions or have life conditions where they might have young children at home are going to have a really different um, work-life balance is going to look really different for, for people in in that situation than a first-year teacher or a veteran teacher who's three years away from retirement. You know, it doesn't look the same for everybody, but there are still some core ideas about balance being dynamic. It's shifting and it's something that we need flexibility for and strength, you know, skills and strengths that we can actually build up over time using targeted activities. So I hope that makes sense, this kind of it was a bit of an aha moment for me when I realized that all this work that that my husband is doing with with his clients on keeping their bodies fit and well and and mobile uh, so that they can balance and prevent a fall actually it's a really beautiful metaphor um, for the work that I do with teachers on burnout prevention because burnout is preventable and there are lots of things that you can do that can kind of boost your ability to balance and be flexible and have have um, work satisfaction, I suppose, that can prevent burnout. And on that topic of work satisfaction, I think that it's important in, in the conversation around work-life balance that we talk about work-life satisfaction. In last week's podcast episode, Trudy from Teachers Thriving said that that was something had been said to her early on, I think it was early on in her career, that somebody had said it's not about balance, it's about satisfaction because balance is, it's not a a static thing that you achieve and then, oh, I've got balance, everything's fine now. It doesn't really work that way, but satisfaction is something that can be steady and constant if, if if you are aware of it and you're working towards it. And actually way back in um, episode three, season one, episode three, I interviewed Rebecca and she also talked about the fact that she has more job satisfaction than she's ever had thanks to really focusing on creating boundaries between her work and her home life um, and looking after her physical and mental health in, in a much more intentional way. By doing that, by prioritizing her personal health and well-being, it actually led to a lot more job satisfaction for her. So I think that that point of job satisfaction has to be a part of the the work-life balance conversation. I don't think that balance is a myth, but I do think that the way we often talk about balance is unhelpful. You know, we we talk about it being this static thing or the media portrays it that way and it's unattainable, you know. So I'd love to hear what you think about that. Do you think that balance is a myth? Do you think that work-life balance is unattainable or has maybe what I've shared here helped you to reframe the concept of balance to be not something that you, not not a fixed point in time that you achieve and then that's it. The other thing I wanted to add too, um, and this also came from the episode last week with uh, Trudy from Teachers Thriving, Trudy called teaching a lifestyle choice and that really struck me because I think it's true. Would you agree? Do you ever think about teaching that way as a lifestyle choice? And does it help you to think about it that way? Because it certainly helps me to think about it that way as a choice, as as um, choosing the lifestyle of teaching. And it comes with certain pros and cons. Obviously, the big pro or a big pro that many teachers enjoy is school holidays. Um, here in Queensland, when you're listening to this, um, school holidays have started already. And, and 
holidays are a time for rest and recuperation and, and for many people to connect with their families and to, to regain a little bit more perhaps of those activities that you can't really fit in during the school term. But there are cons as well to teaching and to the lifestyle choice that is teaching. And I don't think I need to list them. But I do want to add something from Dr. Matthew Allen, who wrote the excellent book called Self-Care for Teachers. And in chapter two, he writes that many people become teachers for dubious reasons, because their parents were teachers, because it was the path of least resistance at university, because high school was the high point of their life, because they remember one of their teachers fondly, or because it seemed like a secure profession. Part of the overwhelming stress that they feel as teachers has to do with the lingering suspicion that teaching was a second choice or a default position for them. And they may be right. We've all seen sad examples of this kind of teacher. He goes on to say, I remember one from my own school days who was palpably disappointed with life. Even as students, we knew that he drank too much and we also knew why. He had really wanted to be a lawyer but had dropped out of law school. He had become a teacher by default and his disillusionment and frustration made every day a misery for him and for us. A little bit further on down the page, he writes, Some people are called or meant to be teachers, others not. And knowing which category you are in can make all the difference when you encounter the inevitable and sometimes overwhelming demands which teaching entails. And I really like that last line, the inevitable and sometimes overwhelming demands which teaching entails. Because let's not sugarcoat that. There are inevitable and sometimes overwhelming demands to this job. However, the really important point, I think, is that it's a choice. That's, that's what Trudy was saying. Trudy from Teachers Thriving magazine was saying that teaching is a lifestyle choice. And there are many other wonderful aspects to being a teacher. But that doesn't take away from some of those demands that Dr. Matthew Allen was talking about. No profession is all bells and whistles. Most choices in life are not between perfect option A and perfect option B. You know, life doesn't work like that, unfortunately. <laughs> More often, choices are between, you know, at best, the slightly unpleasant option A or the slightly unpleasant option B. And it's about deciding which of those options is the least unpleasant to you. Um, or to put it in a, another way and a little bit more crudely, which is your favourite flavour of shit sandwich? This is something that I first heard um, Elizabeth Gilbert, the author of Eat, Pray, Love, um, talk about. But it actually turns out that she got the idea from Mark Manson, who is the author of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Um, he says that everything sucks some of the time and it helps to know that. It's too easy to think that the grass is greener on the other side um, when wherever we are is full of drudgery and frustration at the minute. But if you can keep in mind the fact that everything involves sacrifice some of the time, everything has some sort of cost, then the question becomes instead, what struggle or sacrifice are you willing to tolerate? And because Mark Manson writes, that is what determines our ability to stick with something that we care about. Um, it's to handle the rough patches and to ride out the inevitable rotten days. So in teaching, it's a fact of life. You're going to have rotten days. But if teaching is a lifestyle choice, then is it the lifestyle that you want? Are you willing to tolerate the struggles of behavior management and the frustrations of curriculum changes for the rewards of that moment when that student finally grasped the tricky concept or the beautiful thank you letters 
you know, that you get at the end of the school year and the funny moments in class when a kid says something that's just absolutely hilarious or, you know, the leisure of the school holidays or the love of learning. Nobody can make that decision for you. Um, That's the best bit but also the worst bit. It's up to you whether it's worth it or not and whether, whether the sacrifices of teaching, you know, the inevitable demands and sometimes overwhelming demands are actually things you're willing to tolerate for those other good moments. As always, there's no one size fits all. What's right for the person next to you in the staff room might not be right for you. Um, and what's what was right for you last year might not be right for you this year. It's it's that whole idea of balance being dynamic. It's not a set and forget thing. You have to keep checking in with yourself. So Yeah, as I said, I don't think that work-life balance is a miss, but I do think that it's a moving target and that's a good thing. You know, the the struggles and sacrifices that you might be willing to tolerate early on in your career might be very different once you have a family or once you're nearing retirement. You know, things, things change, life changes. But remember that those struggles, those wobbles, the times when you feel like you might be losing your balance a little bit, they're actually a normal part of balance. If you're telling yourself that that struggles, if the story you're telling yourself is that having wobbles means you're not balanced, that can actually make it even harder for you to maintain balance because and because it's not true. Wobbles are a part of balance. You can keep using those muscles and training your nervous system to recalibrate and sometimes you might fall over, you know, that's life. But don't let that deter you. Ask for the help that you need when you need it and get back up again. So if you're on holidays this week or next week when you're listening to this, I hope that you're having some time, some downtime, some time to rest and and recuperate and recalibrate so that you can get back up again come the beginning of the next term and you know be better able to manage those wobbles and those struggles and those inevitable demands of our amazing teaching profession. All right, that's it from me today. Don't forget to sign up for the webinar and I'll talk to you next week. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. I'd love it also if you would leave a rating and review in iTunes and share it with your friends. This really helps the podcast reach more people and together we can spread the message of teacher wellbeing to create thriving school communities. Show notes for this episode can be found at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. You can also find me at facebook.com forward slash selfcareforteachers and on Instagram my handle is at selfcareforteachers. So come along and follow me there. 